It's a real honor to be here tonight. Um, this is just a, just a really marvelous thing, honestly. When you think about what God's doing tonight, this is unprecedented. I think this is probably the first time that anything like this has ever happened here in Destiny Church, Fredericksburg. I know that this church has a long history, very prolific history, and uh, been faithful, served this community for decades, declaring the word of the Lord, preaching the gospel of Jesus in this community. But this, this is a new thing that God's doing here. Amen. And there, there's, there's some things that, that change you. I mean, when you get married, your, your life is never the same, right? I mean, it, you are forever changed. And this is kind of one of the, I believe, one of those types of things for this house, amen, for this church. And uh, I, I love uh, Michael and Jennifer Bell. They are tremendous people. Um, amen. 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 To, to, to the members of, of this uh, church, I know there are many long-time faithful members, and we honor you and that commitment to God's house, to the local church. Um, but I, I want you to understand this, and I know many people have probably said this to you before, but you have been given an amazing pastor and family uh, to lead this church. Amen? And um, for my secessionist friends, I'm giving a word of affirmation here for my continuationist friends. We may consider this a prophecy, <laughs> but I'll just, I'll just say to Pastor Mike and to Jennifer, that if you dig in here and faithfully preach the Word of God and love the people that God gives to your care, I, I believe you're going to build a magnificent church here in Gillespie County, in Fredericksburg, Texas. You're going to impact this community. I believe that, that over the years to come, there's going to be a mighty church right here in Fredericksburg, Texas that God's going to raise up. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. And, uh, you know, Pastor Matt called me. We were actually on vacation, and, and he called me up and uh, invited me to come and be a part of this conference. And uh, when he told me that I was going to get to be here for the last night, I thought, I must be Matt's favorite friend. Because this, I mean, this really is the, for me, the best job in this conference to come to this house to inaugurate something and to be a part of what God's doing new and fresh in this place. I mean, I, I was thrilled about the opportunity to come here for this. I mean, I love Destiny Church in San Antonio. It's always an honor to be there. And I have, my wife and I have been connected uh, for about a quarter century now to Destiny. And we have received so much from that church over the years, being IBC students and going to the conference and then continuing as we uh, begin to step out in ministry and grow in and uh, do what God was calling us to do, we would return back almost every year, and we have received so much, and then having the opportunity even to speak in to Destiny Church and to the Light Your World Conference, it's, it's a great privilege and blessing, but I, honestly, I got the best job tonight. This is the best job this week, I, I believe. So it's, it's a thrill and an honor to, to be here and to be doing this. And uh, I, I wanna say to Pastor Matt, thank you, and I think he's over, well, no, he's not. I can't see because of the lights. Wherever he's at, there he is, Pastor Matt, Thank you for being obedient to what uh, the Lord put in your heart for this conference. Amen. 
I've never been more proud to be Matt Bell's friend than this week. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever been proud to be Matt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but sincerely, um, the ministry this week has been tremendous. I mean, every, it seems like everybody who stepped up to the pulpit has hit a home run. And we have been richly fed from the Word of God. And I think, I, I, I kind of thought, I kind of feel like a ship this week. You know, when they bring those old ships into uh, the harbor and sometimes they clean them. I don't even know how they get them up out of the water to clean them. But those barnacles have attached themselves to those vessels. And they come in there with those blasters and just blow those barnacles off the ship. You know, those barnacles really impede the progress of those ships. And sometimes barnacles attach themselves to us and they impede the progress that God wants to make through our ministries. I feel like the barnacles have just been blown off. Amen. And we've been reminded that we have an anchor. Amen. That is Jesus. And that when the tempest blows and the sea rages, that we can just be moored in that anchor of Jesus and not moved, right? Pandemic or political upheaval or racial riots or economic downturn or whatever comes, we will not be moved because we are anchored in, the, in Jesus Christ, amen? I just feel like that's really what uh, has happened for me personally. And I, I've heard, and really honestly, I've, I've heard these words from my wife and from her father who's a pastor from Wales the UK, but I've, I've heard this just resonate in my spirit all, all week long. There is a way of the Lord, and it is right. Man, we've been reminded of that. We, we don't have to go to other systems. We don't have to, you know, have these strategies or prop things up or try to make things happen another way or find new methods. We can just stick with it. Amen. There's a way of the Lord, and it's right. Amen. That's what's resonated in my spirit, and uh, I, I believe God's going to speak to us once more again tonight. And I shared um, Monday morning when I had an opportunity to share in San Antonio, I, I shared a couple of st uh, several statistics. I just want to share a couple of them with you, just to kind of segue into this message that the Lord's uh, given me today, that uh, these, these surveys, a couple of these statistics, one half of American adults, 49% of American adults, don't know whether it was Paul, Peter, John, or Jesus who taught the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospels. Think about that. Half of American adults aren't sure who gave the Sermon on the Mount. Think about that. 30% of evangelicals agree that Jesus was a great teacher, but don't believe that he was God. You think about that. What has happened where we have gotten to this place? That, that is dysfunctional thinking. I mean, that, that is biblical illiteracy. What has happened to us that we have gotten to this point in our society? This has set in on me. Actually, when we were on vacation, my wife and I, we, we took a trip uh, in Maine, and we, we went to um, this uh, hiking trail and we were going to get out and walk and then we realized we didn't have any bear spray and so we just stayed in the truck and looked at the trees in the mountains but but God began to uh, th through my wife we, we were having this conversation he sees, she said something about how, how sad it is that people have 
so little acquaintance with the Word of God. They don't know the Scriptures. So many people in church don't know the Scriptures. And we were talking about this, and we were talking about some of the simple things in our lives that really, have really helped us to get the Word of God deep down into our soul. And we were just talking about these methods and things. And so I began to go back uh, to our room as we were there for about uh, a week in, in Maine, and I, I would go back to my room, and, and I, I, I began to read through the 119th Psalm while we were there. And I actually went through an exercise where I read through it. I took 22 days and I read through the 119th Psalm. It's divided into 22 sections, one for each of the letters in the Hebrew alphabet. I began to read through, I would read the entire Psalm every day, but I would go back to each one section a day and focus on that section. Just this passion, again, new and fresh for the Word of God began to stir in me. And I, I made a determination, I'm going to lead our church out of this plague of biblical literacy. So I, I preached a series for six weeks, the last of this year, of, of, of 2021. I preached a six-week series of messages on the Word of God, just compelling our church to dig back into Scripture. We, we talked about the things that we can do to get the Word in our heart, to read the Word, to hear the Word. You know, the, the, these, these apps, you can just hit the play button in there, and, and it will... I do it driving in my car or in my office while I'm sitting there doing some work. I'll, I'll just hit the play button and let the word of God play so that I can hear it. Play it in your hearing. Write the word of God. Journal it. Put it on note cards. Speak the word of God. It's important that we hear ourselves. It's important that your children hear you declaring the word of the Lord, what God has said in his scriptures. It's important that we speak the word, to pray the word, study the word. Like Don't, don't just like skim over it if we rake we get leaves if we dig we get treasure to study to dig to go line upon line and precept upon precept and then to get down and to dig verse by verse and even sometimes word by word and to find the rich treasures that are in God's word study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth this is not for the professional preachers this is for the people of God sitting on the pews to study the scriptures right it's not for the elites that's what it, we have a, a long line of that in church history that we say that the word is just for those who are trained and educated the professional preachers and priests but the people of God can't No, it's our joy as the people of God to open this book and for God to speak to us through his word amen Study, memorize the word, amen? Meditate on the word and then keep the word, right? Don't just be a hearer, but be a doer of the word. Don't look into this mirror and then go away and forget who you are. But like First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says that we would look into the mirror and we would be changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ day by day by the power of God's Spirit. That we would become doers of this word, that we would live it out, that we would become living epistles known and read of all men, doing the word of God. And then lastly, preaching the word of God. And I put all of our guys, we've got a lot of guys that in our church that aspire to ministry. I put them on all notice, all of them on notice. Be ready. Be ready. You never know what Sunday I might walk up to you and say, go to the pulpit and preach. Be ready. Right? You're declaring yourself a preacher. We'll find out soon enough. Be ready. Be instant in and out. Be ready. 
So I want to, I want to, that's just introduction. I want to talk to you tonight. And, and before I, 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 I begin to dig in here, I, I, let, let me take you to a scripture. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13. This is the Holman Bible. And it says it this way. It says, this is why we constantly thank God for you. Because when you received the message about God that you heard from us, you work, welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the message of God, which also works effectively in you believers. So we, we thank God because you received the message not as if it were a message from man, but as a message from God. I want to implore you to be a receiver of the word of God. One of the most dangerous uh, assumptions that we can make when we walk into a church like this is that, uh, that, that you are good ground. You're good soil. You remember the, the uh, parable of the sowers? Some of the old commentators call it the, the parable of the soils. The soils represent our heart, the condition of our heart, and our capacity to receive the word of God. Don't assume that you are good soil. Come in, prayed up and ready. Prepare your heart. Come in. Don't, don't say my wife really needed to hear that this morning. Our attitude should be, no, I needed to hear the word of God this morning. That was for me. Every time we come to hear the word of God preached, every time we open our Bible to read the scriptures, we need to say, Lord, speak to me. Change me. Work in me. Through your word, wash me. Amen. Through your word, be a receiver. I played wide receiver in, in high school and we did, we did receiving drills all day long. They'd throw the ball to us. We'd look the ball in. We practice soft fingers, bend the elbows, absorb all of the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the uh, pressure of that ball coming, absorb it by bending the elbows, looking the ball in, tucking the ball. I mean, we spent hours working to receive, be a receiver. Amen. Come ready to receive the word of God. Amen. So we're going to talk about the word of God increased. We're going to preach the entire book of Acts today. I'm not joking. We're going to preach pretty much the entire book of Acts. It's going to be the Reader's Digest condensed version though. So it's not going to take me three hours. It'll only take me about two and a half. The word of God increased. So one of the themes that we see in the book of Acts is the increasing word of God. Acts chapter 6 and 7 says that the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Acts chapter 12 and 24 says, but the word of God grew and multiplied. I love that. The word of God grew and multiplied. We're talking about the increasing word of God. Acts chapter 19, verse 20. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Amen? I want the word of God to grow in the church that I pastored. I want the word of God to begin to grow again in the United States of America. I want the word of God to grow, to go to across this planet, across this globe. I want the increase of the word of God, that it is propagated, that it is sown throughout the nations of the earth. That's our desire. That's why we're gathered here today. That's ultimately what it's all about, the propagation of the word of God. Amen? And what's the re result of that? Increase. 
Another theme in the book of Acts is increase. We see increase. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. They, they were teaching the apostles' doctrine, right? And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. The believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. Acts 16, 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. See, it, it, it's funny how this works. All of the money that we're spending in America today on church growth methods, all of the seminars, all of the church gurus, and really, if we'll just declare this, it works. If we'll just make disciples. Listen, when you make disciples, disciples multiply. Disciples making disciples becomes churches planting churches. It multiplies. There is a multiplying impact when we declare the word of God. It works. We should stick with it. That's what we see all throughout the book of Acts. The, act, the, the activity in the book of Acts comes down to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, declaring the word of God. That's what the book of Acts comes down to with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working with them as they declared God's word. Acts chapter eight, verse four says, therefore those who were scattered went everywhere. This is talking about persecution coming to the church. They were, they're scattered as a result, what happens? And everywhere they went, they preached the word. See, whatever opposition we experience, in some way, it's gonna cause the word of God to get out and to scatter. I was talking to a brother today at the, the, the Tolmans. I was talking to the Tolman brothers. They were talking about what happened when their city shut them down the first time during pandemic. They brought their pastors together, their, or actually their church membership together, and they began to assign them, 10 members of their church, and they went out and began to shepherd those 10 people. What was that? Increase. I'm sure that church has grown through that. I'm sure that ministers were raised up through that process. There's increase that's come to the church as a result of this virus. See, it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do to snuff this thing out. It is going to go forth. Amen. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't comprehend it. No matter how hard the enemy tries to extinguish it, it's going to go out. In fact, the harder he tries to extinguish it, the greater it spreads. That's what we see in the scriptures and that's what we've seen through church history. Amen. We should not fear persecution. We should not fear opposition. But what we see all throughout Scripture is the men of God preaching the Word of God. There's another passage in Scripture where it says they went out in, in Acts. It says they went out preaching the gospel. And the word for preaching there is actually gossipia in the Greek. They went about gossiping the good news about Jesus. Amen? I mean, we got plenty of gossipers in the church. Let's just train them. They stop slandering your brother. Start bragging on Jesus. Amen? Stop tearing people down and start building them up with the Word of God. Amen. We can gossip the good news about Jesus. If you love to gossip, here's good news. You can gossip and not go to hell if you're gossiping about Jesus. The good news. Amen. That's what they were doing. And in, in, uh, what is it? I think it's uh, Acts 18. Uh, I was reading there today. 18.5. Um, Silas and Timothy, they come to Paul from Macedonia to Corinth. They find him there. And it says that he is expounding the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to convince the Jews. He was preaching the word about Christ, showing them in the scriptures the things concerning Jesus. They didn't receive it. What did he do? He shook the, shook the dust off of his feet, said, 
that your blood is on your own shoulders, right? See, the results are not up to us. We just have to be faithful and obedient to do what God's called us to do and preach the word of God. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to run through the book of Acts here real quick. Acts chapter one, they were preparing for Pentecost. This is David Cook's outline, by the way. This is, David Cook taught me the book of Acts at IBC. They're preparing for Pentecost. Chapter two, Pentecost comes, right? They're gathered in the upper room as the Lord commanded them. Go and tarry until you're endued. When we don't know that they were in the upper, wherever they were gathered in Jerusalem, they were gathered waiting obediently to what the Lord had said. And then the day of Pentecost was fully come. The Holy Spirit falls on them. They, they fall out into the streets, declaring the glory of God and all of the nations and all the language of the nations that were gathered there for, for that feast. Right. Peter stands up and preaches and the church is conceived. The church was conceived with the preaching of God's word. Peter preaching. 3,000 added to the church. We preach, they get added to the church. We preach the word, we multiply. Peter preached and 3,000 added to the church. Think about it. What an awesome thing. Next chapter, John and Peter are going up to the temple for prayer, the hour of prayer. There's a lame man sitting there, silver and gold, have we none? But such as we have in the name of Jesus, to rise up and walk. And this lame man who had been sitting at this gate rose up, strength to his legs. He stood up and he leapt and rejoiced and shouted the praises of God. You think about that. Think about this scene. And you would think that the religious folks would rejoice, but they got angry. They got mad. So we arrive at chapter four, and this is really, really honestly where we're going to focus the, the majority of our, the rest of our time. But in Acts chapter four, here, here's what happens. As a result of them seeing this man healed, this is what happens. Acts chapter four, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captains of the temple <coughs> and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000 people. They preached the word, 5,000 people added I mean, th this is better than streamlining your church service. This is better than not offending the people sitting on the pews. Th this is better than, than sitting on a bar stool. This is better than skinny jeans. This is better than, than fancy glasses. This is better than tattoos. This is better than the, the light and the, 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 the smoke show. None of that has ever produced this kind of result. I mean, have you ever seen a skinny jean preacher Receive 5,000 into the kingdom. Honestly, think about it. I mean, maybe 5,000 moved from the other church across town. Preaching the word works. It works. So they've arrested these guys for preaching. Now, look at Peter's response, and, and you jump down to verse 10. It says, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, wow, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands here before you whole. 
This is not a milk toast preacher. Jesus, who you crucified. Wow. This man was salty. Right, Matt? King salt. <laughs> King salty. This man was a salty preacher. This man was bold. And so he's brought before the council. That's his response. But he's brought before the council. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could not say anything, nothing against them. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what, sh what shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, here's the restraint, here's the constraint, always the enemy is trying to constrict the church. But so that it, is spread no, it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they, may, they, they speak to no man in this name. And I, I just want to pause here, and I, I want to say this. I think we really need to wake up, and we really need to realize that everything that is going on in our... It, 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 this, this, I, I have studied this. I have watched this. I've been an observer of all that's gone on over the last year and a half, two years. None of it makes sense. All of our leadership, I'm, I, I don't care if it's red leadership or blue leadership, what's going on in our nation, what's going on in our world is absolutely illogical. We are destroying economies. And I, 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 I do not deny that, that COVID is valid. I, I don't deny the validity of, the, uh, validity of this virus. Please hear me out. Don't hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. Slightly worse than a flu. 99.6% chance you're going to live if you get it. We are destroying world economies for something slightly worse than a flu. And I don't mean that with any disrespect to anybody that... We have a dear, precious friends that have, have contracted this and passed. I don't mean that with any disrespect to that at all. I don't want to... We need to respect the virus, but I'm just saying what's happening doesn't make sense, and it comes down to one thing. There's the spirit of the age, and it's working to constrict... Right? This is all moving towards totality. If you look at the, the Bible in end times, totalian, totalitarian government ruling over the earth. We are being set up into really end time, uh, the, the coming of the Lord. Right? The end of an age. It's on us. We need, to, we need to be alert to that. Am I telling you to be unwise in how you lead your church through these? No, no. If we can take precautions, let's take them. But we need, we have to, we must persevere through this and keep declaring the gospel. Amen? Spurgeon in his day, 2,000 people were dying every single day in London because of a plague, and he went and ministered to those sick people. Luther experienced a plague. They continued to minister. First and second centuries, the, the church experienced two plagues, some of the greatest seasons of growth in the history of the church. As the, they, the, the people of God, the Puritans experienced plagues. They ministered to the sick when, when the rest of the community wouldn't touch them and the church flourished. So I'm not telling us that we need to be unwise. I think we can, we can tempt the Lord in, in, when it comes to this virus. I'm not saying any of that. 
But I'm saying we've got to persevere through this and recognize what the enemy is trying to do and keep going forward. Amen? God is going to get glory through this situation. God is going to take what the enemy intends to destroy his church, and he's going to multiply his church through it. That's what God's going to do. That's what I believe we're seeing happening in many, many ways. Amen? Where was I at? We'll pick up at verse 17. I'm, I was close to that. So, but, so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. This is the constriction. They're trying to, to bind the men and keep them, keep the gospel from going forward. So they called them, that's, and that's the spirit of the age. They called them and commanded them not to speak, in, speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they, they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So they're arrested because of this man's healing. They're brought before the council. The council severely threatens them. What do they do? All right, well, well, we'll go home and we'll shut our churches down. Was that the response? I thank God for men of God all over the country who are getting bold and saying, we will not submit to these orders. We need to do this. I believe this with every fiber. I, I made a commitment. We will not close the doors of return church ever again because of anything like this. We're going to keep ministering to people. Amen? More on that in just a minute. So here's the response. They didn't cower. They didn't shut things down. They went and they prayed. Verse 23, being let go, they went to their, own, to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the, the, the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For, they truly, for, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now check this out. This is the good part. Now, Lord... Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Boldness. Boldness. Look at, the, look at what happens. When they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, pray. Pray for all the saints and pray for me that utterance may be given to me. 
that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that, it, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This is a great picture for us. Paul in chains. Paul writing a, a prison epistle. The enemy trying to constrict him. But the gospel can't be restrained. His ministry went forward. He continued to minister from the jailhouse. Even if you remember the, the jailbreak, right? When they, when they prayed and, and God shook the jail and they were set free. Even in that, he stayed behind to minister to the jailkeeper. He declared the word of the Lord to the jailkeeper, right? He was committed to declaring the gospel no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstances. And there was nothing that could hinder the gospel from going forward. Amen? We need a holy boldness. Right? I love what, I mean, I've got to go back and probably listen to Pastor Philip's message about four times. I mean, he like gave, a, a, just, just as one of his points, he told the whole of basically human history as one of his points. I got to go back and digest that. But I like what he said about it. This is not belligerence, but boldness. Right? There's a difference. This is not stupid boldness. A holy boldness, like Joseph, right? Like Daniel, Joseph in Babylon, or in Egypt, Daniel in Babylon. They were bold, right? Joseph ran from Pharaoh's wife, right? He was a bold man. He stood up. He had an integrity. He stood up, stood out. Daniel stood up and stood out. He refused. To defile himself with the king's meeting drink. He was a bold man. He refused to stop praying when he was commanded to stop praying. These were bold men. Amen. We need a boldness. Amen. Boldness is frankness. It's uncompromisingly forthrightness. That's what boldness is. And we need bold people. We need people to stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need people to stand, as Paul said, and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will not back down. I will not relent. I will not sit back. I, I will not cower. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to push through, and I am going to stand, and I am going to boldly de declare what God's word says, even when it's not received. We'll speak the truth about family. We'll speak the truth about marriage. We'll speak the truth about life. We'll speak the truth about uh, holiness and righteousness and who God really is. We'll say that Jesus is the only way. We won't back down. We won't compromise. We will boldly declare what God's word says. Amen? We need salt. Amen? Jesus says, be salty. Have salt within yourself. We need salty people. I think of Sam Jones. Sam Jones, I don't know if you know this. He was, uh, the, uh, was the late 19th century preacher. Met, I think he was Methodist Wesley, uh, Wesleyan background. Sam Jones was this kind of salty guy. They, 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 they invited him uh, to, I think it was in the Carolinas somewhere for, for this meeting, uh, to be the, the main speaker for this meeting. It was like an outreach to the city. And they invited him there. And when he got there and began to preach, the, the pastor was like, oh my gosh, if he keeps preaching like this, our, our churches are going to shrivel up and everybody's going to leave. So they, they called the prayer meeting. And somehow, Sam Jones makes his way into this, this prayer meeting. And they're praying for God to give them wisdom about how to send Sam Jones home. And Sam Jones walks right down into their prayer meeting. 
stands right in the middle of it and he lifts his hands and he says, oh Lord, help me not to be as cowardly as these men. He was salty. Sam Jones announced he was going to go to Nashville and, and have an outreach. And there was a, a man named there, I think it was Thomas Ryman, and, and, and Ryman said that if, if Sam Jones comes to Nashville, I'm going to run him out on a rail. Ryman owned Nashville. He was a, a, a riverboat guy. He had gambling boats and all this kind of stuff, alcohol and gambling and these boats. And, and it, one of the wealthiest men in the United States of America at this point, he says, if, if Sam Jones comes to Nashville, I'm running him out on a rail. You know what Sam Jones did? He went to Mr. Ryman's mansion and knocked on the front door. The butler opened and he said, who are you? He said, I am Sam Jones, Mr. Ryman's guest. Would you please show me to my room? The butler, not knowing what to do, escorted Sam to a guest room and led him to his accommodations. And as he's leaving, Sam asked the butler, what time is dinner? This is a true story. So at dinner time in the Ryman house, Mr. Jones walks in. He sits down at the table. Thomas Ryman says, who, sir, are you? And he says, I am Sam Jones, the preacher who you have said you will run out of town. And he says, well, what do you intend to do? He said, I intend to stay at your home during the time of my meetings. I don't know how all that played out. But this is the true story of how this went. I don't know the, what, where the conversation, we could only, if we were only a fly in the room at that moment, right? But the story goes like this, that Sam Jones indeed ended up staying in Mr. Ryman's home for the entire crusade. And guess who came to the last night of the crusade? Mr. Ryman. And when Sam Jones took his altar call, guess who was the first to walk the aisle? Mr. Ryman. And then Mr. Ryman built a place of worship in Nashville. Today it's called the Ryman Auditorium. But then it was like, I forget the exact name, but the Union Street Assembly or the Union Street Church, something along those lines. He built a church for the preaching of the gospel. Ryman Auditorium wasn't built for the pickers and the crooners. It was built to the glory of God. It was built for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to have assault about ourselves. We need to have a boldness. Amen. May God give us a backbone that we can boldly stand and declare the word of God without fear of anyone. Amen. God make us wholly bold. Amen. Acts 1 and 8. Here's, here's one of Sister Bell's Great Commission scriptures. Right? You will have power. She, she said, Holy Ghost. When I got here, it says Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. You will be my witnesses. You know what that word there actually is in the Greek? It is the word martus where we get our word martyr. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it will make you a martyr. That, that's not a decision to die. When we choose to be martyrs for Jesus, we're choosing how we're gonna live without fear, that we're gonna step out boldly without fear of the consequences. The people of God, we need to rise up. I, I tell you, if one thing this thing has revealed about us is that the, uh, most Christians are afraid of death. 
Look at what the Bible tells us our outlook on death should be. Right? Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Why do we fear death? Paul said to live as Christ, to die is, is gain. Why do we fear death? Jesus said, don't fear the one who can destroy your body. Fear the one who can destroy your soul. And I'm going to tell you what this, this, this virus has done. Our fear of death has corrupted souls. We've got mental health issues and marriages failing and all these types of things because we are cowering in the face of this crisis. It is corrupting the souls of men. Men's souls are rotting and decaying because of their hearts are really gripped with fear. Amen. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. We don't have to fear virus. We don't have to fear governments. We don't have to fear economic downturns. We don't have to fear men running through our streets and breaking out windows and burning buildings down. We don't have to fear anything. Amen. When the spirit comes upon us, it will empower us to go forth and boldly witness the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me let me try to land this plane. Here's the end result of all the preaching. Here's how Acts concludes. I'll leave out the other 22 chapters. Here's how it concludes. Acts chapter 28 verses 30 and 31, the last two verses in this. For the next 2 years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense, and he welcomed all who visited him boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. God, make us bold. Timothy, Paul's charge to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I, I, I want to say this. Men and women of God in this room, you are my heroes. Men that have given their lives to pastor churches. Men and women who have hazarded, hazarded their own families gave up all their financial possessions to go to a nation and preach the gospel. I honor you. You're amazing. You really are. Amen. While I'm here, I, I, I need to do something. Ron and Christy Bishop are in the house. I try to do this every time they're here because God sent them on a mission. So they went to South Wales. God sent him on a, a mission to find me a wife. I was in my last <coughs> semester at Bible college, and I always say that God waited till my last semester at Bible college to bring my wife because he knew I probably wouldn't graduate otherwise. It was January 2001, and Ron and Christy Bishop pulled up from San Antonio Airport onto the campus of International Bible College with this beautiful young lady that sits here on the second row. Amen. And so I have to say thank you to the bishops. I love the bishops. Amen. I love my wife. She's amazing. 
She makes Wonder Woman like a, look like a sissy. I'm going to tell you. What she does in our home, what she does in our church, it's amazing. Pastor wives, I salute you. Amen. You do amazing work. I got my mom with me. I love this lady. Amen. Praise God. I got my kids. I love my family. But let, let me say this, and we'll wrap up here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Apostle Paul to a young man. He will judge the living and dead at his appearing in his kingdom. So I charge you, preach the word. Are you ready in season and out of season? And when Pastor Matt or Pastor Mike calls you to take an offering, be ready. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, <coughs> they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. The American church is telling fables. That's the reality. The American church, for the most part, has ceased to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've turned to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Here's my desire. My greatest desire probably in life. Six, Psalm 68, verse 11. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those who proclaimed it. My desire is to see a great army men and women of God rise up to declare the great word of God. See the word of God increase. Amen? I go back, here are my notes. I've got the scripture. I've scribbled it into my notes here. Pastor Matt put this in the letter for our conference. It says, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Missionaries, pastors, let me encourage you like never before to begin to read the Word of God. If, it's, if change is going to happen, it's going to start with us. Amen? Read the Word of God like never before. I, I would implore you, read the Scriptures in your church. I, I read a lot of Scripture tonight. I, I, my, my, I used to get up in front of the church and preach without a note. That's how I started. I spat a lot and screamed and all that. But my style now, I am reading more and more and more Scripture. And you know what? You don't have to expound on a lot of it. The Scripture speaks. It's powerful. It's living and active. Sharper than any two-edged two sword. It, it will accomplish the purpose for which it has been sent. Amen? The Word of the Lord really doesn't need our help. We try to flower it up and fluff it up and make it palatable. But if we'll just declare it, 
it'll do what it was meant to do. So read the word. Hear the word. Write the word. Speak the word. Study the word. Memorize the word. Meditate on the word. Keep the word. Do the word. Preach the word. David Cook taught my homiletics class, and I probably can't tell. I probably preach nothing like David Cook. But he taught my homiletics class. And I remember in, in our class one day, somebody asked, Brother Cook, is it okay for me to preach someone else's message? I'll never forget this response. Brother Cook, he paused. You know how Brother Cook does that. He paused. He took a second to think. And he says, here's what I think about that. He says, if somebody preaches a message that really hits your heart, take it and study it and meditate on it. Let it get deep down into your spirit. Live it out. And once you've lived it out, it's yours to preach. 